And I would like to welcome you all to one of the several Arab Heritage Month uh, events that we have planned this month. Uh, my name is Nina Shomantajani. I am an assistant dean in the department learning, enrichment, and college readiness. Um, among other roles that I play at the college, I have had the opportunity to serve as the Arab Student Union advisor for several years here at the college. I've worked in multicultural student affairs. I've taught in the liberal arts department as well as in the intensive English language program. And I've had an awesome seven years here at the college. And this is one of my favorite times of the year, I'm not gonna lie, November is um, one of my favorite months, not just because my birthday is in November, um, but because we get to celebrate Arab Heritage Month and it's a chance um, for me to feel um, quite at home here at Moraine Valley Community College and in our community because I'm reminded um, that there are people among me, not only my Arab American colleagues um, and friends, but many others that want to learn about Arab heritage. So um, today is going to be one of those days that's um, personally heartwarming for me and many of my colleagues. So I wanted to also give um, my colleague Kip Kozat a chance to introduce himself and tell you what his role is at the college and then I'm gonna share a little bit more about the Arab Heritage Month Committee. Thank you so much and thank all of you for coming today. My name is Kip Kozat. I am the co coordinator of the tutoring center and, uh, and uh, also I'm also the, um, the instructor here for um, the history of the Middle East and it's just my pleasure to be here with you and to share this time with the panel and you know we look forward to kind of understanding a little bit more of uh, the Arab and the Arab American experience. So I'm going to turn it back over to Nina and um, then after that um, I will be leading the forum and uh, going over some questions. Thanks Kip. So I'd like to first thank the Arab Heritage Month Committee um, which is part of the diversity task group led by Multicultural Student Affairs Several of my colleagues that are here today um, are part of that committee, so I'd like to ask you to stand up if you're part of the Arab Heritage Month Committee. Um, Nareda, Aurora, Suzanne, Nasser, Sundus Maddy is in the back, Tamima Faruqi, do we have some of our other representatives here? Kip Kozad as well. Um, this committee is made up of individuals from both academic affairs and student development. Um, many of our colleagues from across the campus contribute to the activities um, during this month, and it's a month that we've been celebrating at Marine Valley and historically in, in uh, Chicago for many, many years. Um, I'd also like to thank the instructors who promoted this event in their class and also took the time out to bring some of their students today, um, specifically Dr. Mehesweis Debebna. Um, she's also um, a contributor to Arab Heritage Month. She gave a wonderful presentation yesterday about learning the Arabic language and is here with her class. And I know that we have some other instructors here um, today. If you're an instructor and you brought your students, um, thank you so much for coming. I also see some of our instructors that aren't even teaching today that have made an effort to come. Thank you. And many of our colleagues from across the campus. I'd also like to thank our executive leadership team for supporting such events on campus. Um, Dr. Pamela Haney is here with us today, our Vice President of Academic Affairs. Um, I'd also like to thank the library. The library has, for many, many years, um, consistently offered support not only to Arab Heritage Month, but many of the diversity events that we have here on campus. Troy, thank you for setting up. Um, thank you to your wonderful staff here that has supported Arab Heritage Month over and over again um, by displaying books, opening the doors for such events here, and uh, welcoming us. I'd also like to start off by saying that um, while many people around the country and in our communities are feeling a little bit anxious and um, for lack of a better way of putting it, I would say even disappointed from the election results, um, today we're here in the library not to focus so much on that but to celebrate Arab heritage and that's going to remain our focus. However, I must say that the timing of today's topic couldn't be better. Um, you might be wondering why I say that. And I say that because today's panelists are going to take time out to share their experiences of why they decided to come to this great country. By the end of the discussion, I'm sure that we will all be reminded um, that it is because of wonderful community members like those before you 
that our country is so great that they make awesome contributions, not only to the Moraine Valley campus and surrounding community, but also to our country. I also have to share that um, one of our panelists, and I won't mention any names, did um, share this week with Kip and I that they felt a little uncomfortable um, presenting, um, although they had committed to this after they heard the election results. And um, we reassured them that this is a comfortable and safe space and that this is their community and this is their college and this is um, their chance to show their resilience and their contributions to this country um, and to our community. And they are welcome here um, just as much as anyone else. So our panelists today are from five different countries. Um, what you will learn is that although they do share a common language, which is Arabic, and a common Arab heritage, that they also um, are very diverse, diverse in backgrounds. Um, they all have unique experiences, various Arabic dialects that they speak, um, have different traditions, and come from countries with varied histories. Um, they will share with you some of the um, diverse um, traditions and culture uh, that they celebrate and also some of the diverse norms as well. So let's get started um, and first highlight um, where Arabs come from and talk a little bit about the tradition of um, Arabs immigrating to the U.S. Um, and right before I do that, I just wanted to also point out that we have a couple other events happening this month. Um, there is an ongoing uh, refugee drive. Winter clothes and toys are being collected um, by Asian Diversity Club and MSA, so look out for the boxes around campus. And then we also have a great cultural day with a falafel sandwich sale that's going to be next week in U111 and um, the cafeteria area, so look out for that next Tuesday. So who are Arabs and where do they come from? Um, we use this very broad term Arabs, or you may hear us say Arab Americans, for those that reside here in the States. Um, you can see stars here on the map for the countries that our students are representing today. Um, we have a representative from Morocco, from Syria, Iraq, Yemen, and from Palestine slash Jordan. And I say Palestine slash Jordan because although Bilal was um, born and raised in Jordan, he is of Palestinian descent, and he'll share that with us today. Um, but as you can see, Arabs come from 22 different countries. The region is very large, it's very diverse, there's many different dialects um, and traditions that are um, celebrated in this area. There's many commonalities, but there's also um, many, many um, unique um, narratives and stories and histories um, that come from this area. Arab immigration to the United States is nothing new. Um, Arabs have been coming to the United States to start their lives um, new and um, with their families since the late 1800s. Um, historians typically refer to Arab immigration in three different phases. As you can see here, um, there was a first wave that came in the 1800s and 19 through the 1920s. Many of them were from um, what is known today as Lebanon and Syria, at that time as Greater Syria. Um, the second wave came in the 1950s and 1960s. This was a much more diverse group, uh, many highly educated. And then the third wave came um, starting in the 1970s to present and continues. And again, very diverse. Um, while many of the very first um, Arabs that came from Lebanon and Syria were um, Christian, um, and the decades that follow, you would find more and more um, Muslim Arabs also coming to the U.S. And um, there's also a video that's posted um, by Troy on the website that goes into more detail about this if you're interested. Now, um, when we go to um, the count or census data about Arab Americans and Arabs in the U.S., um, for lack of a better way of putting it, the best way to say it is it's not accurate, not very accurate at all, unfortunately. Um, why is it that we don't have an accurate count of Arab Americans in this country? It's because Arabs have been categorized as white by the U.S. Census. This very large and broad category um, also um, counts um, people of North African descent as well um, and throughout the Middle East. 
But there are some questions on the U.S. Census that we're able to derive some basic data. Um, that comes through the ancestry question. Um, and based on the ancestry question, the U.S. Census accounts for 1.7 million Arab Americans in this country. The Arab American Institute, a large um, think tank in Washington, D.C., does their own counts and own data collection, and they estimate it's more like 3.6 million. It's actually probably much higher. Um, now, Chicago happens to be home to um, many Arab Americans. If you walk across campus, that's no secret. Um, but there's also large hubs in Los Angeles, Washington, D.C., the New York, New Jersey area as well. And then many of the um, Arabs that have um, come to this country over the last several decades are of um, Lebanese descent, Egyptian, Syrian, Palestinian, Moroccan, Iraqi, um, Jordanian, and Yemeni, Yemeni heritage. Okay, so now that you have a little bit of a history lesson um, and a taste um, for um, the Arab American community in the U.S., it's time to focus on our panelists. Um, our panelists, like I mentioned, are from five different countries, and they're going to um, tell you a little bit about themselves, and I'll navigate um, through some pictures um, as we get started. Thank you, Nina. Um, first, before we get started, let me talk a little bit about um, how difficult this experience is for them. First off, mobility and change is difficult. If you think about yourself and how you know, you have your own comfort zone. It's very difficult to, to come out of that. The panelists here came for a variety of reasons, but some came willingly or they came willingly with their parents in some cases. Um, others were, uh, came here because of upheavals in their country. And so um, these panelists today are quite brave. And I want you to think about it for a second because every one of, uh, every one of our panelists here are going to be sharing these personal experiences, sometimes deeply um, personal experience in a second language. And you know how difficult that would be sitting in front of people trying to process a lot of this information two times really in your native language and, and in English. So, um, you know, I think it's wonderful that they're going to share these experiences with you and kind of get a feel for what it's like to be mobile, to go through a lot of these changes and talk about a lot of the challenges that they've, they've had, you know, coming to the United States, um, adapting to a lot of the changes, and hopefully you'll get a good idea as we um, go through. Um, so uh, let's go ahead and start with the panel. Um, we'll start with uh, Mustafa, and Mustafa, if you wouldn't mind just introducing yourself a little bit, and then uh, Nina's gonna put some pictures up here, and if you could just talk briefly about what these pictures are. Hi, how are you guys? Actually, um, I will, I'd be like thankful for, uh, thankful for you guys today because you came on for this panel. And uh, my name is Mustafa Latabi. I am from Iraq, from Baghdad. I was born and raised in Baghdad, and uh, like district called Asadia. And this is actually I have some pictures, and this is my, this like my two pictures when I used to be a kid. Uh, the first picture was like on the left side, I was smiling, and the other one, unfortunately, I wasn't because I was sick. <laughs> And this is like the third picture. This is with my buddy, like uh, Harry. We attend like this uh, summer classes and the IL program. Uh, this is like at the fitness, uh, I believe at the fitness uh, center of Morin Valley. And this is like the place I grew up in Baghdad in Iraq. This is my house, my home. And actually this like was a big home for me, like for my whole family. And uh, this like has like three garages and three doors. So the, the first picture to the left side, it's like uh, there's like the second floor. This is my room over there, the in front of the big house, the big uh, gate. And then like the other picture is like we have uh, other section and we have like big garden at this corner. And there is like a small, a small room if you can see it over there. It's like where we used to to have like to to have like some guard because my father used to be like a general in the military in the Iraqi military. So some people to protect the house and protect our family. And this is I'm sorry. Um, no, it's okay. And actually, this is like uh, how how it used to like look my our like uh, guest room over there, like some like corner of it. And this is actually my picture in Baghdad University Col uh, College of Science. This is back then I was sitting over there. It's like in overseas. It's I believe like back to maybe ten years ago. 
Um, this is my picture actually with my friends um, at our house here. And you know, like if you can guys look out, like we still keep like some of like our like cultures, the hookah there and you get like some cushions and some mattress, you know, we used to sit. Hey, Bilal, if you'd like to share some of yours. Uh, hi, my name is uh, my name is Bilal Shuli. I'm a Moraine Valley uh, alumni, and I'm a junior at St. Xavier University. Uh, I'll be sharing a little bit about myself for you guys. I really appreciate you coming out to attend this event. So um, that picture to the left, that's uh, the Tiberius River. Um, uh, basically, it's uh, an area north of north of Amman, or it's in north northern Jordan. It those uh, small mountains to the right, which don't show fully in the picture, are the Golan Heights. That is the Tiberius River, and 200 meters. How do we say that? The miles. The miles. Yeah, maybe no, a little less. <laughs> maybe yeah. Anyways, yeah, maybe a mile away is Jordan, but you can't, of course, go there because that's an illegal. <coughs> it's a settlement. Yeah, yeah. It's Palestine. It's part of Palestine. Uh, as for the uh, picture to the right, that's the view from my uh, apartment. As you can see, it's a little different. Also lower buildings, but it's more l mostly apartment buildings, not big houses, although they're still uh, pretty abundant over there, but it's mostly uh, apartment buildings. Can we move on? That's my high school, my prime, like I went there for second grade up to senior year. Uh, which is a little different than you have here, maybe. Um, a lot of schools are just different phases, but I spent 12 years in that school. That's Mashriq. That's where I went to school back home. Picture to the left is me and my uh, siblings, my sister, my brother, and my mother. Um, yeah, that was during a wedding in the summer. This makes me a little emotional. So, And that picture to the right is in a boat in Abu Dhabi, which is a city in the United uh, Arab Emirates. It's uh, almost 80 miles away from Dubai, but it, that's where the capital of uh, UAE is located. And that was also summer 2015. This is a newer picture, but that's summer 2015. Um, I, being here at Moraine Valley, I participated in many events. Uh, I was the president of the Arab Student Union. Um, we worked hand in hand with Team Palestine, which, uh, which is a chapter that belongs to an NGO called uh, the PCRF, Palestinian Children Relief Fund. We helped them uh, put together uh, one of their annual events called the uh, Run for Peace, whereby all the proceeds would be um, forwarded to medical services back home to children who can't afford it. This one specifically went to building the first pediatric cancer center in the Gaza Strip. Picture to the right was scholarship dinner. That that was my first <laughs> involvement. At, uh, as you can tell, I feel lost. I look, I'm smiling. I just don't know what I'm smiling at. I don't know what I was there for. And that picture at the bottom is one of the events we did. It's how to market yourself was the name of the event, uh, whereby we invited some Arab American business figures, and they taught the students who attended the event how to market themselves after they graduate, uh, elevator speeches, so on and so forth, just trying to. That was in collaboration with the business club. Okay, now we're going to shift down to South Arabia. Sally? Hi, everyone. My name is Sally Mofahi. I am from Yemen, and I have been here for seven years in the United States. So I'm a student here at Moraine Valley for three years, and my major is recreation therapy. So the picture with the mountain and the houses is my picture in the country. Both pictures, yeah, this one and the other one. Yeah, on the right. That picture with the ocean is my city, Eden. The picture to the left is my house in the country, and the picture in the right is my picture in the city, I mean the house in the city. Uh, that picture of the house is my apartment right now, the place where I live in, and the pictures at the bottom is my picture here in the United States. The picture um, is one of my friends, majority in the IEL classes. The picture that I'm wi working as a learning assistant with the guy. This is a picture um, going to a field trip with the uh, IEL students to the forest preserve. I mean, volunteering, cutting trees, 
to, I mean, cutting trees, not native species. Okay, now we're going to kind of switch back and talk to uh, talk with Bassam. So, hi, uh, my name is Bassam. I came from Syria uh, in 2003, and uh, even though I was I was not a citizen by born, but I wasn't born here. I was born overseas. I got the, the citizenship from my father, who was an immigrant, and so. Um, I um, fr I lived in an area near Damascus, the capital. It was a little village. Um, the picture with my friends that was taken four years ago, that was my whole uh, ninth grade class. Ninth grade was the last year in junior high school. And that was my last year in Syria. Uh, these are my old friends there. Uh, moving on, if you see that big building that is almost destroyed, that was my home. Uh, and. Uh, I was out of it. I couldn't go back there. Um, you see, it was the balcony. I lived in the first floor. After that, I moved to the picture on the bottom. To it was a small city called Kaparsusa. It was an urban city with a lot of buildings. Um, I can't tell which building I, I lived in because there are so many. Uh, but yeah, I could tell that it was like almost that. That was the balcony view from my from my home apartment in Kaparsusa. And that was my the elementary school I went to. Uh, that far, the left picture with all the kids is was the backyard. It was the the lunch break we used to go there. The do you see the picture <coughs> on the right is a small demographic of the the whole school. That was a pretty it was a it was a private school. I loved it. it was these good days. Um, and now after I moved here, I finished high school and I joined uh, Marine Valley. It's my second year here. And these are m some of my friends in MSA. This is an awesome club, I can tell and can mm -hmm. say. We do a lot of activities. I mean, I love this group. Yeah. Now, geographically, we're going to move all the way across North Africa, all the way to the west, to Morocco. Maluda? Hi, everybody. How are you? Uh, thank you for giving us this uh, opportunity to talk about our countries. Uh, uh, um, my name is Miluda Jgeima. I'm uh, 24 year, years old. I <coughs> come from Morocco. Uh, my city is Agadir. It's one the most wonderful cities. It's a touristic <coughs> cities. Uh, actually, I come here in 2015. I enjoyed to my husband. Uh, the first uh, picture is uh, our map. This is my country. Uh, we are b close to Spain, almost to uh, eight, eight mi miles. And uh, there is some home houses from our country. <coughs> we have uh, a lot of different uh, types of houses. We have uh, big houses, small, traditional, modern, you know, everything uh, changed with time. And. Uh, it is the most wonderful time I spent here in USA. This class with uh, uh, my instructor, Caroline. Uh, this is uh, the class uh, at the Bridge to Healthcare. The first um, picture, the, the, the this one, yeah. Uh, we have a test, the last test in the sp uh, spring. Yeah, the, the spring. And the, f uh, the other one, we, have, uh, we, we do the some activities in the class. This one too. Uh, this uh, I have my friend is Moroccan too. The woman first, and the uh, Jordan and the uh, Mexican woman. I like this class so much. <laughs> uh, that's all. Thank you. Well, let's give them all a hand before we start asking questions. <laughs> so let's get an idea about why they came. L let's uh, let's stop, start with Mustafa. Can you talk a little bit about why and how you came? I actually like the first reason why I came because you know everyone knows uh, I am from Iraq and in 2003 we got like the our war like when the United States came to Iraq and they get rid of Saddam Hussein. And so after the war, you know, we spent like most of our time. First, like the first, after like the first two years after the war, the situation was good and everybody like lived safe. But you know, after the like terrorist invasion, like Al Qaeda came first to Iraq and then 
a lot of people came from other countries to destroy our country to make like discrimination and uh, trying to kill like our history and trying to kill they were trying to kill like the beliefs that we believe in and so this was was like the first reason second reason you know my father was uh, general in the Iraqi army so it was hard to him like to stay in Iraq after those some like some some like you know some like some terrorist people were looking for like the old like uh, officers and like like old doctors and professors so they were trying to kill everybody that ev like most of the educated people in that country so they came like three thousand and then uh, after like we left to Syria at that time so because we couldn't stay there and they burned our house so my father you know I said we have to leave this country I know it's like our country but we're not gonna make it here like they're gonna kill us if we stay so we left our country and that and second reason, like, and the third reason, I mean, after we left our countries, we came to this country, like, to look for, like, opportunities to get our future, like, me and my brothers. So we came here to study and, you know, to live and safe here, like, as everybody knows, like, United States, it's like the land of freedom and the land of opportunities. So that's why we came to the U.S., seeking for, like, a safer places than our countries. Thank you, Mustafa. Bilal? Uh, so compared to my friends here on the panel, my problems are going to come off as first world problems. I never had, there was no invasion where I'm from, and um, no instability as much as there is in Syria, maybe in Iraq and uh, Yemen. But um, in 2013, after I graduated uh, high school, I always had it in me that I wanted to leave and I wanted to get my education abroad. I was into liberal arts, and uh, liberal arts, I'm not gonna say frowned upon back home, because they want everyone to be doctors and engineers. Um, it wasn't as heavily, it wasn't as heavily taught and as uh, properly instituted in the universities, so I decided I wanted to come here. Uh, before the United States, um, I, was, I was going to go to the United Kingdom. I was accepted in several schools there, but I remember my, um, university counselor told me that if you really want to change, you really want to mold your character and uh, become, uh, grow as a person, you need to go to the United States because that's where the actual, um, uh, that's where the actual struggle and the challenge is. Go learn about yourself and try to um, educate yourself about life and not just go to, go to your classes. And, um, and that's what I did here. I came and I uh, culturally shocked when I first came here, but, um, it was great, and I was able to overcome it, and education was my plight to be here, mostly. Thank you, Bilal. Sally? I came here in 2009, so I came here just because my dad worked here, so he wanted the whole family to be with him, because sometimes he was like away from home for like years, so that was the reason I came to the United States. Thank you, Sally. Bassam? Okay, so... You know, I was an American citizen, and uh, I didn't have the Syrian citizenship. And so after I grew up, you know, uh, they they used to take all the military youth. They used to take all the youth in the military, and my mom didn't want that to happen to me. And I don't, you know, I, I could have been arrested for being an American citizen there. And so I had to move out, uh, and that's why I was out of Syria, basically. Thank you, Bassam. Maluda? Uh, Actually, I just uh, come to enjoy my husband. Uh, thanks to of God, uh, we don't have any problem in our country. I think uh, at least it is a safe country. Uh, that's that's all. Good. Okay, so why don't you uh, share a little bit about what is it most that you miss about your home country? And we'll start with you, Maluda. What's the thing that you miss most about Morocco? Actually, I everything. My family, my house, my uh, husband's family, my friends, my uh, everything, everything, my culture, everything. Is there anything about your culture specifically that you miss about Morocco? Is it the food? Delicious food, yes, <laughs> of course. <laughs> Here we don't have uh, the same, uh, you know. Taste. Mm -hmm. the, the same taste, yeah. yeah. We don't have the same taste. Ever you do a lot of uh, cook and let's mm. let you know. Do you miss the sea? The, yeah, the ocean? Of course, yeah. yeah. The safe sea, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course, yeah. I miss everything, actually. Okay. Everything. Bassam? From E to huh? from E to I. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Bassam? Uh, mostly it was the social life there. The society was open to each other. Like, we were, when you have a neighbor, 
he always backs you up and they're all friends i had i had a lot of friends there it was hard for, for me to like when i travel to leave them and like just uh, be alone yeah and that's like the most thing that i remember about like having a social life there sally i miss my grandparents my relatives and my house and also the cultural and traditional things when celebrating Eid and Ramadan, like food, hearing sounds of Adan in streets. So that was it. And so when you talk about Adan, you're talking about the call to prayer, the which prayer. you don't hear yeah. that here, right? Yeah. Good. Bilal? Um, the thing I miss most would be the feeling of home, just the idea of being somewhere where you feel you belong. You don't feel alienated by anything. Um, the food, you get used to it. You'll find Middle Eastern food here. So none of the Arabs here worry about that. But <laughs> the idea of being around you, big, I'm, I'm from a big family. I have a lot of cousins, a lot of uncles, nephews, and people like that. Um, so I don't have that here. I live here alone. So it just, uh, it's a little different for me. That's, uh, that would be the simplicity too. Hmm. The idea that Jordan is a very small country, Amman, which is the capital where I live, is very small. You can get from north to south in less than an hour. Um, have friends all over. The friends and the family, mostly, mm -hmm. uh, that feeling. Good, thank you, Bilal. Mustafa? Actually, to be honest with you guys, like the first thing. To be honest with you guys, like the first thing that I miss in my, in, I miss in my country, which is like our Iraqi food, and a lot of people like knows about Iraqi food. It's like different food than. <laughs> yeah, so everybody knows like Iraqi food is uh, different than the other like Arab countries' food. We have like some like special like uh, uh, we know like special like you know food of fish. So we like we do it like. It's like, I don't know how they call it, like, masgouf. We, like, we grill the fish and, like, some wooden, like, I don't know what they call, like, it's on the wood and the charcoal, so it's natural, like, charcoal. And we also, like, I also miss, like, my childhood because I miss my friends and actually I miss, like, my, you know, my relatives there in Iraq. But uh, when I used to, like, to go to, a sc to high school or, like, any kind of school, so we used to attend the same school, like, that, located in the same neighborhood so we used to know like everybody so if i was walking the street i maybe like i know maybe 90 percent of the people walking there like all the people friends saying hi by names and the thing is as sally said like we must like the dawn like the time for when we pray and so and i miss like our cultural like you know traditional music and uh, you know, like our celebrations, like private celebrations, and as Sally said, like Eid and the other celebration, the other cultural heritage over there. So yeah, this is all actually. Good, Mustafa, we'll stay with you. And yeah, uh, why don't you share with everyone what your greatest challenge was when you came to the United States? Those first few months coming here, what were some of the challenges that you had to uh, work through? Actually, like the first challenges that I came through, like with when I came to the US, and you know, English it wasn't like my language, so I had like some English, but you know, a few words, and it's not like a lot of grammar and all like a lot of vocabularies. So when we came to the US, like it was hard to communicate with people either. Like if I need to to buy something, it's, it was so hard like to to tell people what should I, how should I buy it, and 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 the biggest like challenges when we came to the US and then. After we arrived, like two or three months, my father uh, did like open heart surgery in the Chicago University of Hospital. Uh, yeah, in the Chicago University Hospital. So we didn't know the system and what should to do. So we got help in that time, but it was like the biggest challenge. We came like to live safe and to be like happy here. But you know, after we arrived, within the two first months, my father had like that surgery and he stayed like three weeks in the hospital. And then in that time, it was we had like bad storms, like bad snowstorms. So it wasn't like so hard to me to drive from where I live. I live in Oakland to like Chicago University. Like everyone was like in Chicago. So yeah, actually this was like the biggest challenges when we came to the, to the US. Bilal? Um, okay, so uh, if I was, well, I just like it would be the, the biggest challenge would be to anyone in, uh, in a new environment would be to get around. Transportation was a very difficult thing for me. I didn't understand the idea of buses here, how to uh, commute back and forth from school. I also had um, 
problems with appropriating this idea of the United States, which I've been exposed to in films and uh, shows and so on and so forth in my head. And in reality, it was really different. I was, I, it looked like home to, to a certain extent. I've seen a lot of people that look like me and that look different. Uh, but at the end of the day, people got up to go to work, went home, and that, that idea of being just somewhere thousands of miles away just made, the, made it a challenge for me to actually communicate um, and be able to get around, especially when, whether it was actually physically or when it came to communicating with people um, about being here. So that would be the biggest challenge. Thanks. Sally? My biggest challenge here in the United States was communicating and understanding people because I couldn't speak English and I couldn't understand people. So it was difficult for me to ask for help when I needed help or to understand my teachers in school. Tell that story about when you were in class and you had a problem. Uh, once I wanted to go to the bathroom, but I couldn't. So I stayed until the class ended. And once, like, I wanted to sit in front because I can't see from the back, so I couldn't ask my teacher to sit in front and, you know, to see the board. Yeah, and Sally, she came here um, as a high school student, right? Uh, or junior high. Junior high. Junior high or middle school, right? So you've probably been here, what, the longest, maybe, of everyone on the panel, perhaps. Seven years. Seven years, yeah. Good. Bassan? Uh, yeah, it's like some of my other fellow panelists. Uh, language was a barrier to communicate with uh, people surrounding me, and so like I had some troubles. Uh, other than that, it was like the culture, like yeah, you know, the interaction between people. It was a bit different than like how I communicate with others, in my my uh, homeland citizens, and yeah, that's basically it. Maluda. Okay, like my partners is uh, do communi communicate. Mm -hmm. The first uh, thing is uh, how you answer someone, talk to you. I understand people, but I can't say what I want. Because right. in my country, we, we study British English. Mm -hmm. That's why <laughs> <laughs> I have a big problem when I come. But now, it's Yeah, and you also study French as well, right? Yeah, we. Uh, we. Uh, <laughs> we. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, so we'll stay with you, Maluda. Um, so what's something about your country that you would like to share with everyone that they may not know about your country? What's something you'd like to share about Morocco? Actually, uh, a lot of people here, uh, people here doesn't know Morocco. Mm -hmm. uh, just, mm, it is a, actually a wonderful country. It is a safe uh, because we have a king. Uh, we don't have a president. And uh, every people in uh, small or big, we love our king. And we we have a lot of uh, places, uh, and we have a lot of uh, cultures, many cultures. Even one country, but we have more than uh, a lot of uh, cultures, and we have different uh, language too. We have uh, French, Spanish, English, British English, and uh, Berber. If you someone heard about this one, and Arabic, of course. And we are a Muslim uh, country. Thank you. Basama, we know that your country right now, there's a lot of turmoil in your country. So, you know, a lot of people here, their image of Syria is what they see on TV. But your, I mean, your understanding of your country is a lot different than just the conflict. Could you share a little bit of that? Yeah, uh, well, first, it's not as bad as it, the media make it look like. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of conflicts, fightings, bloodshed. But um, there's still life there. People still living and working, and uh, markets are open. It's the only difference is that you can't, like, at 8 o'clock you have to be closed and in your home sitting, just waiting, praying that you can pass the night safely. Um, other than that, I mean, I live there. Uh, I don't know how you have the image about Syria, but um, there we have a lot of urban areas. Uh, it's, it's a lot more civilized than you think. Um, yeah, it's modernized country. And, and Sally, you're from Yemen, and a lot of people probably would have a hard time putting Yemen on a map. I know, like, um, Sally knows this, that I lived two years in Yemen, and I remember when I was going there, I'd tell people that I was going to Yemen. They, I could have just said I was going to the moon. I had no idea where that was. But uh, what would you like to like the people here to know about Yemen? Well, 
since it is war now and the conflict that it's happening in Yemen, I want people to know that Yemeni people are not bad or terrorists because of that. I want them to know that what's happening now is just because of people who don't fear God or feel mercy about people or have minds to think about what they're doing. So I want them to know that people are good people. And as Kip Kozad always says, that if you make a Yemeni friend, this friend will be your friend for life. So true. Thank you. Bilal, Palestine, Jordan, you're going to have to cross some borders here. Unfortunately, I can't cross too many borders when it comes to Palestine. I've never lived there. I'm from Palestinian descent. I um, lived five years in Qatar, and I was born there, but then I moved to Jordan. Jordan is uh, made up of 12 provinces, very small country, in very close proximity to the most conflicted areas in uh, the Middle East, one being Syria, uh, of course, Palestine, uh, Iraq, and Lebanon. Um, we used to travel to all these countries that I mentioned by car. It was something that you could do on a weekend. You can also even get up to Turkey. Unfortunately, after 2011, with all the conflicts that were uh, that arose in the Middle East, we can't do that anymore. We actually started having a lot of tension on the borders. Jordan and Palestine are separated with one exactly one bridge that can take you there. That, uh, but as a Jordanian citizen, I need a visa from uh, the Israeli government in order for me to visit Palestine. So that's why it was very difficult for me to get a visa. Um, the older you get, the, m the older you get, it's very difficult for you to even think about uh, acquiring that visa or that uh, authorization. Otherwise, uh, Jordan is very rural and very urban, mm -hmm. depending on the city. Uh, the whole idea of having uh, this urban lifestyle really solidified in Amman, uh, urban, uh, the, the, um, the provinces to the north, a little more urban than the south, much more urban than the south, actually. Um, we have one of the world's uh, modern seven wonders, which is Petra. People love visiting Jordan for that. We have the Dead Sea, the lowest point on Earth, and the saltiest, and you can't hang in that water for more than 10 minutes, and I warn you, do not try. <laughs> uh, you float, there's no such thing as swimming there, you just float, and uh, you just rub that mud all over yourself and just uh, <laughs> shower and leave. Um, the Dead Sea on the Israeli side is actually, they have fish. They were able to kind of uh, adapt. Yeah. There, no, 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 not at that. You cannot, there's no <laughs> living, no, but they were able to get some water from the Red Sea, mm. mix it with the Dead Sea water. Of course, it's not, I make it sound really easy, but <laughs> it's, <laughs> make it sound, yeah, but they, they have things living there. I've never been, I don't know, but that's what we hear. We also have, um, what do we have? People like the food. Uh, we have a good nightlife. <laughs> we enjoy life over there. Uh, with everything going on, in the proximity, Jordan has been a hub for a lot of um, um, immigrants from the different countries, some from Syria, some from Yemen, a lot from Libya. Um, Jordan's population grew from six million to eight million in less than five years, and those two million are mostly immigrants. As for Jordan, almost 60% of the population itself are from Palestinian descent. They were nationalized when they got there after the 1967 and the 1948 um, waves of immigration. And yeah, that's Jordan for you. Good, thank you. And then we talk about Iraq, and as a lot of you may know, you know, obviously you see a lot in the news about the conflict and all of that that's been that has gone on in Iraq. But you know, Iraq was the cradle of civilization. Um, Mustafa's ancestors go back to the beginning of the creation of civilization. So, what are some other things about Iraq that you would like to share with the people here? So actually, in addition, like to civilizations, I'll like talk about my people. And in Iraq, we have like several like uh, religions the first religion is islam and second one is like christianity and we got uh, sabinian and we have Yazidian, we have shabak and we have jewish too uh, so most of the people don't know that and we like to speak arabic this is our first language and second language is like kurdish we speak like turkish we have like some turkman people live in iraq and we speak armenian and uh, syrian and uh, we have like Akkadian, and I believe Mr. Kozat knows about that because all those like people came from like the old civilizations, mm -hmm. so they still live in that country. And unfortunately, most of them left the country after like the terrorist invasion and what's happened after all those like conflicts in there. So, but we still, you know, in Iraq, like we have lived for a long time in peace with, with each other, we love each other, and we all like did a great like things or a great changes for our country. 
But you know, those people like when came like ISIS and first like Al Qaeda when came to Iraq and they trying to kill all the people and they they did like their discrimination that separated people. But you know, like those are uneducated people and some the, some of them they said we belong to Islam and they are not because I don't know they have like some like insane beliefs that they believe in. They don't believe in God, they don't believe in anyone. So I don't know that they use like God's name to kill people. That's it's insane. Nobody can imagine that because God like ordered us to live safely and respect our like respect all the people and if you kill like one one person that equally killed like the whole humanity this is like in our holy quran so yeah actually iraq like i like my country and iraq was a great country and still either like we get a lot of those conflicts and but iraq is not when some people ask like hear about iraq they're scared and actually no you don't have to be scared iraq is like friendly and you know all iraqi people are great people and for a long time, they've been not like in, uh, they're educated. We have doctors. We have like the greatest like universities in their Baghdad University and Mustansaria and and uh, Mustansaria School. I believe like some of them you know about that school, so it has been there for a long time. So yeah, actually, this is what Iraq is like a great country. Someday I have like I, I wish that the our things will be good and. You can guys go visit Iraq, mm -hmm. like in, in several places from now. That would be nice. I would like to. So let's stay with you, Mustafa. And I'm going to take you back a little bit. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, before you came to the United States, what was your image of the United States? What did you think that life was going to be like here? Actually, when I was thinking about the, you know the U.S. and as I said like before, everybody knows that like the U.S. is like the land of opportunities and land of freedom. It land of like free speech and so when people said, well, if you go to America, we'll have like good life and the American people are friendly and lovely, you know, and they said either like they have, we don't care about like politics, but they said, you know, it's America, all people migrate like, immigrate for America for a long time. America like was made of like migrants people from different nationalities, from different reliefs, uh, like reliefs and from different countries, European countries and Arab countries and a lot of countries. So uh, actually, it's, um, I don't know what to say like more about that. So it's like, you know, yeah, we had like good reputation about America. So they said, well, we're leaving to America to to make our future and, you know, to have like a degree, a good degree and to stay here, living safe and just be safe like with our families and to be participant like in the community that we live in, to be like producers, not consumers, to have like, and love all the people and respect all the religions and respect all the, like all people like around us. Thank you, Mustafa. Bilal? Same question. Right? Yes. <coughs> um, when I was growing up, I thought America is like this big Quentin Tarantino movie. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I used to really like the Martin Scorsese's and the Tarantinos and uh, the United States. So always night for some reason. <laughs> and so we were always New York City. <laughs> uh, but when I first came, the suburbs were exactly as I imagined. You know, a lot of routine. The city is not... Just the experience was different for me. I, I, uh, I visited once before I came to the United States for 18 days. I stayed here in, in the same exact area. Mm. And uh, yeah, and, and it was uh, an experience that gave me a visual. But even coming back to study here two years, three years later, it was changing to me. It was because I was younger. So coming here, I imagined I would come to a much more, a wilder place, you know, something is happening on every corner, but it's really not that at all. <laughs> Being in the suburbs, I love Moraine Valley, so I don't want anyone, uh, I love this area, but uh, I'm just saying. Um, other than that, Chicago, uh, Chicago is beautiful, just as beautiful as I imagined, whether it was uh, Lakeshore, whether it was downtown, or even the city and the different towns and the food. Um, so it wasn't too far from what I imagined, but it was also just this entire new place. The, 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 see, I think the, the size does all the difference in terms of where you live. So coming around where I came from, I know every single corner and every single street. And coming here, to, I always thought there's always something to actually discover. And then you realize that the grid system makes it really look identical. But generally, still, the farther you go down to the city and you explore the different areas here, is just something new every single day for me. And, and that's, what I, um, that's what it came down to for me. So, yeah. Thanks. Thank Sal you. Sally? I thought that it was always winter and snow in America. And I thought that buildings were all tall, but actually, 
it's not always snow and it's not always winter. There are four seasons, like summer, spring, and buildings are not all tall, actually. They're different size. <laughs> and one thing you shared that the size of the houses probably surprised you, right? Yeah, like when I was in Yemen, I lived in a big house, but here I live in an apartment and it's really small and crowded. That's to me. <laughs> Thanks. Bassan? Uh, well, yeah, I used to watch a lot of movies, especially like these high school movies where, yeah, I was influenced. And so when I first went to high school, I thought that I would see that pretty popular group who was like always the, the cool guys <laughs> and like or the girl that everyone wants to hang out with. <laughs> and so, yeah, when I went there, I discovered that all that was just in movies. It was far from reality. And yeah, so I lived in high school. I mean, I don't like it so much because I mean I didn't have much friends there. I didn't make much friends, and so, but uh, it was against what I believed in before. Mm -hmm, that's um, thank you, Maluda. Uh, okay, actually, um, uh, we study in uh, history. America is a great, and future, ego, America. But uh, in my mind, I'm never, <laughs> I'm never imagining I will live in USA. Mm -hmm. I I want to go some places, but USA, I'm never. But <laughs> you <right>. know. <laughs> <laughs> Great, thank you so much. Um, you know, we're going to uh, take some time here to ask questions, and if you have any questions, I uh, welcome you. We'll need to use the microphone. But before we do that, um, whenever you hear about. Arab immigration or, you know, you hear on the news uh, things that are going on and, you know, sometimes it's demonized. I want you to put these faces on whatever that narrative is because really it's right here. This is what the face of Arab immigration. It's not what you see in the news and on TV. So um, let's give them all a hand today. And if you have a question, I have the mic here. If you raise your hand, I'll bring it to you. And if you could just ask a question. And then e anyone that wants to uh, answer that, uh, I welcome it. Does anybody have a question? Thank you. Um, how would, I know you guys talked about it um, with regards to high school, but like, how would you compare the education system here to what you grew up with? Go ahead. Uh, well, okay, so of course here it's a lot more developed and there's a lot more, I mean, they, they know what the student wants, how to deal with the, the students, all the different mentalities, the potentials that they have. Over there it's just like you have to study, you have to like cram the book inside your head. Uh, it's a lot different, it's just like the basic methods of study there. We don't have, we didn't, I didn't, personally I didn't have any labs, any libraries. We don't have that much. They, yeah, they didn't spend so much budget on schools as well as here. Can I, if I was to give a different perspective, I would say it was just as developed where I went to school. Uh, I was lucky. I was fortunate enough to be in a private school, and I went to an IB school, and so I learned uh, certain curriculums that belong to first and like the freshman and uh, sophomore year of college. That was like the the syllabuses. But otherwise, I also went to other schools back home. As Bassam said, some of them weren't as developed at all. But we had laboratories, we had libraries, we, uh, we were exposed to that kind of, because then education, the entire country started uh, adopting uh, foreign uh, curriculums. You know, we had Pearson back home, you know, and we had all that. Pearson, the shark of education, we had that same shark over there and made it all the way over there. And um, yeah, so, Different areas, of course, it's just different quality, but generally it was, uh, it was okay. It worked. The cramming of books inside your head, it worked for many people. Uh, actually, I want to say something else. It's not about uh, education. We have a lot of things good and a lot of education. The problem with the student. Here, everyone wants study. In our country, 10 wants study and 12, no. But we, we still have a, a higher uh, of education, you know. Hello? Um, it's about who are Arabs, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. I am Arabs. Okay. So 
I am Adi Al Jamaat um, from Syria. I'm sure Basim know this name. We're a good family name in our area, and we are the Arabs. So, if you'd like to ask a question, I'm here too. Okay. Um, how cheap is the oil in your country, though? Is it really cheap, or there are some countries that they just don't have oil? And why do you ask that question? Yeah, like there, there are some countries that they're not from the Middle East that they have like a ton of oil, and I'm just curious because not every, as far as I know, not every Arab country has a lot of oil. Bilal. <laughs> Thanks, Hardy, for that question. He's <laughs> my friend, and yeah, anticipated a question like that from you. So yeah, Jordan is not an oil-producing country. For example, Baghdad is one of the biggest hubs for oil in that region. Um, oil was much cheaper. It was much cheaper uh, before the entire, I don't want to get into that, but you know, before everything happened. And uh, in the different countries, Jordan was always on the receiving end, so we, it was always expensive. Um, I don't know how what it is in um, in uh, Iraq. I'm pretty sure it's much cheaper. Libya, countries like Libya, was really cheap compared to it might be like 60, 50 cents for a gallon. In uh, Saudi, it's cheaper than water. A gallon of oil is cheaper than a gallon of water. Uh, Dubai is considered one of the most expensive countries. Uh, UAE, Dubai is one of the most expensive cities for oil, and it's still uh, like uh, 80 cents a gallon, and that's considered really expensive. Um, well, yeah, they produce almost what, 100,000 barrels every morning, so you expect them to be a little well off. But that, that's about it for the oil, yeah. What is one stereotype or misconception you would want to dismantle, like you would want students to know it's not true? That's the first part of my question. And secondly, what would you encourage students to say or do or act on to make you feel less to, to help spread more diversity more equality to make you feel safer less discriminated against here in the u.s what would you want them to take away that they could do um to help in this conversation anybody like to tackle the stereotype and and how to uh, go ahead uh, so um i heard it from many guys me in Syria, I never took a ride on a camel. I never lived in a tent. I even never saw a desert in my life. <laughs> okay. Uh, so the other thing is that not all Arabs are Muslims. Uh, I had many, a lot of Christian friends, like especially in the north part of the, like Syria, Lebanon, uh, a lot in Jordan. We have a lot of Christians too. Um, that's the stereotype part. Yeah, actually, your first question I would like to answer with is like Arab countries, to be honest with you guys, is, are not terrorists at yeah. all. Like we got some bad people that they don't believe in God and that they are just like, I don't know, they have a habit of killing people and destroy the communities and make a discrimination between people. And second question, actually, we know that the discrimination like has killed my people a lot. And until now, like even Syria now and most of the countries like Arab countries, so people are separating from that habit. So that's why when we came here to the US, like when we talked to some friends who said, people please stay out like of discrimination. Do not call this like you are Latino, you are like white and black and you're Arabic, your stuff. So we just want people like live together because this discrimination has destroyed my, our country. So we don't need like anybody to get that experience. Then it's not a good experience to be honest with you guys. Cool. And actually I'm sorry, I, I would like to add like some, some people like have like, um, like another perspective, they think like Arab countries, like Arab people, wear like you know, wear like weird clothes or like as uh, Bassam said, we didn't like ride a camel and we didn't like live in a tent. So <laughs> you all look at me now. I'm always like since I was, I put my my like my my picture like ten years ago when I when I studied in Baghdad University. So I used to dress like suit and until now like until that day. So we all like wear like the same American clothes and the same like Western clothes. Um, if I was to mention a stereotype, it would be the idea of like the Arab men are always looking for wives. Because I, I'm serious, this might be a joke to you, but 
Arab men are conceived to always have looking for a wife, and uh, that uh, I'm gonna push that to the side. The second one would be um, the fact that we're difficult to approach. A lot of people have that that thought that Arabs, especially the guys, are difficult to approach and talk to. We have this face, which I am guilty of having too. I had problems when I first came here. I didn't get a job because of my face. <laughs> because of me, being, I didn't smile a lot and I uh, didn't feel warm, quote unquote, to the people I was gonna work with. Uh, I still got the job, but I had to do a lot of explaining about where we're from and so on and so forth. But the second part, I would say, I don't think in this time and age anything excuses ignorance. We have the world at a, uh, uh, right in our pockets. We have our phones, we have these uh, laptops, these computers. You can research anything. And you don't have to research about a specific country, just read. In order for you to actually overcome this, ju just like we, we overcame being here or going anywhere. There are billions of Arabs, billions of Europeans, billions of people from all over the, the, the globe, just different places they had to, other than hands-on experience, all you have to do is just read. Just uh, read about the world, read about history, about the people that were here, and uh, maybe you'll just find it to be a hump that is not, not even an obstacle, not even a hump in the road. It'll be just easier for you to overcome it. I have a question back here. Um, if you guys can share with us maybe some of your hobbies, what are some things you like to do in your free time? You shared a little bit about your home countries, um, some of your transition here, a little bit about that little bit about the education system. What do you like to do in your free time? So now you're here, you've gotten used to the community. Um, I know a little bit about um, Bilal's side gig. Hopefully he'll fill us in a little bit. I think that you might be intrigued. Um, but what are some things that you like to do on the weekends um, with your friends, family? Can you share a little bit about that? I'll start with this question. Actually, Neil asked a good question, to be honest with you. Um, like, you know, my free time, to be honest with you, I, like, I spend the most of my time with my family. You know, I got to see them, and we, like, hang out to go, like, some restaurants or some places. And, you know, in our countries, we used to, like, used to play soccer a lot, even, like, we used to play soccer in the streets. So, everyone <laughs> knows that. And then we got, like, some, so we, we were, like, insane loving soccer. So that's why, either, like, we, we used to play soccer in any, pl any place, anywhere whether in school, in the streets, like in the, in the stadium, so. And we used to, uh, to hang out with friends, and when we used to hang out, like, w at least we were like 20 or 15 friends and walk in the streets, and we go like to some like coffee shops, and we smoke hookah most of the time, and you know, <laughs> it's like some habits. But here, you know, it's hard to manage time, so like in either in free our free time, we just like, I, for me, I go like to the gym, like Maureen Valley Gym once in a while, either like these days. And, you know, as I said, like, I'm trying to, like, I go, like, with my friends to some restaurants, and as I said before, like, we smoke hookah, there are, like, some places here in Chicagoland and, like, near, like, more invited, and we, we go there to discuss, and, you know, and we just, like, sit to chill with, with each other. Uh, I personally make music. I think that's what the, the side gig that um, Nino was referring to. I, um... I'm a rapper, I write lyrics, I've been performing ever since I was in Jordan, from venues all over the city. Um, yeah, that would be one of the, the I, I was always into theater and poetry, and then after venturing with those little kid, I just grew up, I liked music, and I stuck to it. Um, I worked with a lot of brilliant artists that taught me a lot of things, whether it was back home, people here, some people in this library, actually, I made music with. Um, that's... Yeah, that would be my main hobby. I like to read as well. I also work out, just like any guy who wants to stay in shape. Get a wife. Yeah, 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 too, too, actually. <laughs> uh, when I have free time, I like to read and write, because my dream in the future is to be a good reader and a good writer. Mm -hmm. Well, for me, I'm just a regular guy. I can say, like, uh, I like to read stuff like all around the world, like whether it is history, geography. I sometimes communicate uh, online with uh, di people, different people. Uh, I play video games, read about different stuff. Yeah, that's it. Me, uh, actually, in every month we do a meeting that's uh, like potluck, uh, just Moroccan woman. We do our different food. 
and we meet in uh, each month in uh, one house of our friends. And uh, I study, of course, because uh, I have a goal. And uh, I, I speak with my family, <laughs> of course. Nice. Don't go anywhere. We're going to do something fun here in just a second. So, but before we do that, um, Maluda and everybody else in the panel, what are your plans for the future? What do you want to do? Uh, actually, I want to see myself in nurse suit. I want to be nurse. Nice. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm majoring in sociology, so hopefully I'm going to be like some, sor some sort of sociologist in the future. Yeah, that's it. Okay. Sally? In the future, I would like to see myself working as a recreation therapist, an interpreter, and a teacher to not native student, not native speaker. Bilal? Um, I would I'm, I'm an international relations and political science major. I would love to work for the United Nations, be a representative of uh, Jordan to the United Nations in a permanent mission in NYC. Mm -hmm. That's from like the near future, hopefully. Mm. Uh, otherwise, I would love to go on and get my PhD and um, teach maybe political science or existential philosophy, something that's around that realm. Yeah. Nice. Mustafa? Actually, my dream is like to become like a doctor. So I imagine like myself in a medical school like within five years. Otherwise, I'm just going to like pursue like, you know, bachelor's degree in, in science and biology. My major is biology now. And I'll get master's degree and I'll try hard to get like PhD degree and become a teacher like a biology teacher or uh, this is like my other plan if I don't become like a doctor. <laughs> okay and then lastly as a lot of you know and I know there's some uh, students of Arabic in here that um, at one time Arabic was not spoken widely in this region that you see here and what identifies as we've talked about Arabs is the language that they speak but as you're going to find out here in a minute that each person or each person that's up on this panel has certain ways that they say things that other people in that area or that region don't say it the same way. I mean, it's very, very varied depending on where you go. And so what we're going to take is we're going to uh, take a phrase, what do you want? And I want you to listen to, to how each of them says, what do you want in their respective dialogue? And we'll start with Mustafa, if you could say it slow, please. Right? What do you want? Uh, what do you want is like shitreed. Shitri. <laughs> like what do you want? <laughs> Bilal? Shubiddak. Uh, Shubiddak, yeah. Good. Two, two words. Sally? Ish tishti. Uh-huh. Say it again. Ashbriti. So you can see how different um, the, the different colloquial uh, Arabic is. And, and then in the formal dialect is Madha Turid. Madha Turid. Fusha, right? Fusha. Right? So right? right? Good. Okay, before we go, we have some gifts to give you for being on our panel, if we want to bring those up. Okay. And let's, while the gifts are coming up, let's give them another hand. 